Just because you just started, it's Desert Dogs. Desert Dogs, sorry. Desert Dogs. Um, I knew I would fuck up something. Uh, <laughs> we need to be doing that. A podcast that combines sports, social media content, and life. I'm Jonah Ballo. I'm Keith Steckler. I'm Elliot Gerard. We Need to Be Doing That is a Heartland Group production. Come on. We need to be doing that. All right. Well, we're really excited to have Mark Fine on. He's been someone I've... Uh, always admired his, his sports career and he's doing something really exciting now being the CEO of the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. Um, I hope I got that right. Uh, and they are um, the newest team in the National Lacrosse League, uh, a league that I've worked in the past and you know, a league that's coming up and it's uh, really exciting. I, I definitely want to hear more about that and we definitely want to you know, talk about all the things that your journey to get here, um, which has been amazing you know, from what I've seen. So. Um, so yeah, without further ado, thanks so much for being on the show, Mark. Thanks, Elliot, for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yes, just to get started, I guess, you know, where where I'd love to hear where you think your career really started. I, I know, I remember when we had met a, a, a while back, you had been with the Mets, but I think that you had an interesting history go, uh, coming up to that as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, in terms of where my career started, you know, I uh, I'll go back to college. I, w- I went to American University in Washington D.C. and uh, I worked for our men's basketball team there. They were in the CAA at the time. Now they're the Patriot League, so not a not a you know mid major if that back then in D one. Um, but I got an internship my senior year, and it was throughout my senior year at the Baltimore Orioles in their PR department. And I grew up in Maryland. And I was a, an Orioles, a diehard Orioles fan, a diehard Cal Ripken guy. Um, and that Great was, back, yeah, Great. I mean, uh, Oriole Park. I mean, I, I feel like that's where I spent a lot of my time in the nineties. It was at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, which is just a beautiful ballpark. Um, and the Orioles were hot then. I mean, the Ravens didn't, the Ravens didn't come to town until 96, which was my freshman year of college. And, but the Orioles were the thing. Um, you know, back in the '90s, uh, more so than I think it's a, it's much more of a Ravenstown now. However, um, you know that internship I think really changed my trajectory. I mean, I realized just how much I loved working in sports and wanting to work in sports. I was in PR at the time. It was very much um, sports information type PR, like game notes, uh, media notes, um, credentialing. You know that sort of you know, that sort of thing, um, reactive PR uh, and servicing the media that came to, you know, the games already. So um, I absolutely loved it. Um, I made no money there at all, zero dollars the whole time I was there. Uh, But for 10 months, I really felt like I was living out a dream. And to tell you, when I walked away, it was kind of like, geez, like this is the, like if I could pick one place in the world that I wanted to work at, it would be this place, you know, in Camden Yards, in the warehouse, working for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, but I did walk away because I needed a job that paid. Um, and I graduated from college. And, um, you know, I worked at a small PR firm shortly after that, just for a few months. And, and then I went to the baseball winter meetings <clears throat> that December. And it was the meetings where, at, where A-Rod, he signed for a ton of money with the Texas Rangers. And at the winter meetings, they have... Um, uh, a job fair, 
and you have uh, young folks essentially uh, who just graduated college uh, who are looking to break in uh, in minor league baseball. And that's where I got a job with a team called the Frederick Keys. At the time, they were the single A affiliate of the Orioles. And uh, I got the job on the spot, which was unbelievable. And uh, I started working for them. And they were owned by Comcast Spectacor. So I spent my 20s actually with Comcast Spectacor, which is, which is headquartered out of Philadelphia. They currently ho- they, they own the Wells Fargo Center. They own the Philadelphia Flyers. At the time, they also own the Sixers. I spent three and a half years with the Frederick Keys, and then Comcast moved me to Philadelphia, where I did two years there. And I did, I was part of a department that did all the marketing for the other things that came into the arena, not the Sixers, not the Flyers, but, but everything else, um, including uh, the Philadelphia Wings of the National Lacrosse League. Um, so I, I had a chance to wor- uh, work with them. Uh, and then Comcast moved me to Norfolk, Virginia, um, where they were, because uh, right now it's, they have a partnership with Oakview Group. Back then, um, the company, their subsidiary was called Global Spectrum, and they managed arenas and convention centers really throughout the world as kind of a competitor to, you know, AEG at the time or SMG at the time. So I worked at Old Dominion for two years um, at an 8,500-seat arena that they managed. And like I did at Wells Fargo Center, I did all the uh, marketing for the other shows that came in. Uh, such as Disney on Ice or Monster Jam, Sesame Street Live, and one mixtape tour. And then one of those shows was the Harlem Globetrotters. And I got to know those folks really well. And I left Comcast Spectacor after seven and a half years and then went to work for the Globetrotters. So I did um, <clears throat> four and a half years uh, where I actually got to live out, of ba- live out uh, in Baltimore uh, and home. Um, I rented office space, but I was, I was back in my hometown, which was, which was awesome. Uh, working for the Globies for four and a half years. And I, uh, my job was to put butts in seats, sell tickets, uh, to shows throughout uh, North America. And, uh, I did that for four and a half years. And I got a call, uh, from a turnkey sports, uh, uh, an executive recruiting firm in the sports industry. And, um, they said, Hey, the Mets are looking for somebody in their marketing department but they don't want somebody who's been in baseball before. You know, they, they, they're looking for somebody who's, who really has to kick, scratch, and claw to sell tickets uh, and it, who's a marketer. And, and that's definitely was me uh, for sure. That's been me throughout my career. So I, I got the job at the Mets. And, and Elliot, that's where you and I met. Yeah. I spent six years with the Mets. We had the All-Star game. I was, it's uh, the seasons that were 2013 through 2018. So, um, you know, the All-Star game was there in 13. We went to the World Series in 15. And we did some fun things. I mean, again, I I, uh, I loved working on our promotional schedule. Um, you know, one of the things that you probably know, I think you're a Mets fan, yep. Um, yep. is that, you know, one random day in 2015, it was August 2015, you know, we had this up-and-coming pitcher, uh, Noah Syndergaard, uh, <laughs> who was nicknamed Thor. Yeah, exactly. Who's that guy uh, who won a World Series ring this year? Um, and uh, we went over to Marvel uh, because Marvel's headquartered, um, you know, in Manhattan and said, hey, there's this up and coming pitcher. We got a good team this year. We think this guy is going to be a starter, you know, quick. Um, how can we work together to create this item, this, you know, uh, promotional giveaway where it's taking the likeness of Noah, 
and the likeness of his favorite Marvel superhero, uh, Thor, and combine them into a giveaway. And um, they didn't do it at first. A year and a half later, it was January 2017, um, they called and said, okay, you're going to be the first ever collaboration where we've actually changed the likeness of one of our superheroes uh, and combine them with an athlete. We didn't do this for LeBron James. Now they do this all the time. You know, they did Cal Ripken as Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, but now they do this a lot. We were the first ever. So we did a Noah Syndergaard as Thor bobblehead giveaway at a game in 2017 when we were way out of the playoff hunt. And we sold 38,000 tickets for Um And that was a concept that I was like really proud of because it really started from scratch. Um, and it showed the power of the, of both brands, like working for the Mets. It's like the Mets are, are just an iconic brand in sports. So I worked there for six years and then I got a call uh, from a recruiter about, um, the Brooklyn Nets job as a VP of team marketing there. And I spent two years with the Brooklyn Nets and that's where I got to know, um, Joe Sai and his, um, and his team. Joe, when I started, was uh, I'm an, a minority partner. Um, and then six months in, he became the majority partner of the team. Uh, and he's a huge lacrosse guy. Like he, uh, he came over in his teens from Taiwan and he played lacrosse in prep school in New Jersey uh, because he didn't make the baseball team. Um, so his best friends in life, he actually attributes learning English really well uh, to, to playing lacrosse in high school. And he went on to college and played lacrosse there. And he, it truly is his favorite sport. Like he is a diehard um, lacrosse fan and he follows the college game. Uh, is the majority investor in the premier lacrosse league. He owns a team in the national lacrosse league before us uh, called the San Diego seals um, uh, because his family lives in the San Diego area. And uh, this opportunity was with not just him, but but also uh, Wayne Gretzky uh, and Steve Nash and Dustin Johnson. Uh, Steve at the time was the, the head coach of, of the Brooklyn Nets. Wayne uh, and Steve actually grew up in Canada playing box lacrosse. If you uh, Google Wayne Gretzky and lacrosse, Wayne's father, uh, who passed a couple of years ago, had said, um, that Wayne became the great one by learning, you know, having great stick handling skills by playing box lacrosse. And when I say box lacrosse, that's indoor lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Dustin Johnson just happens to be married to Paulina Gretzky. So that's how he got into the mix uh, in the ownership uh, front. So um, those are the four owners of our team. And uh, I've been doing this now for a year and a half. We just uh, a month ago uh, started playing, thankfully. Uh, we are now playing games as opposed to talking about playing games. So that's a long uh, answer to your question. Yeah, that's a, that, that is a great journey. That's an awesome journey. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about because I, I have a background working with uh, NLL and, and box lacrosse. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, I was at a, a company, Sports Rocket, and we did all their streaming and actually did like the logos for their the shows and all gotcha. the assets um, for them. So I have like a uh, interesting like history, but also passion for it, you know, because I felt like we really helped them launch that streaming uh, network. And, uh, and so it's, I feel like it's such an interesting sport because 
you know, lacrosse is known for outdoor sport, but box has been around for a long time and it's got like, and I feel like it's, it's getting this momentum as well. So, you know, wanted to hear your thoughts on that and, and, and why you decided, you know, like, I mean, there is the PLL and, um, you know, the, uh, no, I'm playing uh, M MLL, right? MLL. Well, it's uh, the PLL. No, the MLL. Oh, yeah. Just the PLL. PLL on the outdoor front. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, one thing I'll also say about Josiah is that it was fantastic to work for and work with um, is that he's helping lead the charge to make lacrosse uh, an Olympic sport in the 28 games in ALA. And that uh, decision will come out uh, later this calendar year uh, as, as a host nation you're able to pick, um, you know, a handful of sports should you want to, uh, to include as part of the Olympic Games. Um, <clears throat> with that and knowing how passionate Joe was uh, and is about lacrosse, uh, combined with, you know, where I saw the league going, um, you know, the National Lacrosse League has been around in some form for about 35 years, a little over 35 years. Um, we're the 15th team in the league. We're an expansion team. And I think if you look, um, I would say there's definitely, uh, there's a disparity for sure right now in terms of just avidity of fans, um, depending on the market. Um, there's a handful of reasons that I, I wanted to take this opportunity. Uh, one, as I mentioned, uh, knowing how passionate our owner and ownership group would be about the sport to uh, Las Vegas uh, is that here in Las Vegas, um, you know, everybody thinks, well, you know, I have a, have a, my house is right next to the Bellagio. It's not, uh, there's <laughs> suburbs here um, just like there are everywhere else. Uh, and as we were saying offline, you know, the strip kind of here to locals is, is like Times Square in New York. It's a, it's a tourist uh, hit thing. Um so uh, Vegas, though, is is an uncovered uh, or uh, you know a hidden gem from a sports market sports marketing standpoint, and that's why you have all these teams who want to move here now. Um, Vegas Golden Knights did an amazing job of building here. This is not that big of a town. This is a number forty TV market. It's you know two and a half, two point six, two point seven million people in the DMA. It's not that big of a town. However, yes, you have 40 million uh, people come in here annually, um, you know, as tourists. So the sports scene, the Super Bowl is coming here. The Final Four is coming here. I mean, this is just this is just an amazing place to be. And you've got to get the, the frills of uh, it being a little bit of a smaller town. And, you know, no tax, no income tax, which isn't bad either. Um, <laughs> and then the third. You like handle you know, that all the way, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. Thankfully, I've not gambled once since I've been here. Uh, so I, I definitely stay away. Um, and then the third thing, like you mentioned, is is where we kind of saw the sport going, uh, particularly box, particular, particularly box lacrosse. And I think, like I said, that there are some disparities. Like if you look at uh, Buffalo um, right now, you know, Buffalo going into this weekend, just looking at numbers, has sold over 14,000 tickets to their game this weekend. That's phenomenal. I mean, that is phenomenal. The championship game last year was between Buffalo and Colorado, two very good NLL cities. It was played game three, the deciding game was played in Buffalo to a sold out crowd of 19,000. You know, like that is amazing. Then you have um, some other uh, towns in, in the United States. Um, 
And I would put us, you know, we're still kind of to be determined. We are not a town here in Vegas. I would put us number 15 with regards to the number of kids who play lacrosse in this town. There's less than a thousand kids, 17 and under, that play lacrosse either through recreation or club. That is the lowest in the league. Um, even our, our sister team, San Diego, who's also owned by Joe Sy, that's not a lacrosse hotbed by any means, has 5,000 kids who are playing lacrosse. And it's a bigger metro um, than, than Vegas is. Um, so we have work to do. We have to build a fan base. Um, I think we've done uh, a good job of that. We've sold over 2,100 season tickets. Um, we really, our marketing was geared at the Vegas Golden Knights fan, which is almost everybody here. Um, you know, I went to a charity softball game in August, I believe it was, uh, between the Raiders and, and VGK, you know, uh, all for charity, all for good fun. And there were far more Knights fans than there were Raiders fans. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's far more license plates here that are VGK branded license plates. Well, because it's their team, right? I mean, that, like yeah, it was Vegas born is 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 what uh, the Knights go by, and um, you know, we have geared kind of our advertise our, our marketing messaging towards them and saying and, and utilizing Wayne. Uh, Wayne Gretzky and saying, hey, I, you know, obviously he's the most recognizable face in, in all of ice hockey. I played box lacrosse and I think, you know, uh, people in Las Vegas will really enjoy the sport and enjoy coming out uh, to the sport. And I think that helped us, um, you know, get off to such a great start um, by selling over 2,100 season tickets. You know, now uh, we had over 7,000 people at over opening night. <clears throat> we play our games at Mandalay Bay, Michelob Ultra Arena, <clears throat> which is right on the strip. And um, we have opportunity. We have, you know, we have uh, great opportunity, I think, to, um, you know, really build this thing. That's awesome. What, um, you know, one of the things that we've had a chance to work with an expansion team and, and actually help uh, build their branding and, and jerseys and all that. And it was a lot of fun. Um, and I'd love to, you know, hear your thought. Like you, you went there, there was no name, no logo. Yeah. No nothing. I mean, and you, you know, you came from obviously well-established like the Mets and, you know, um, Orioles and, and everything where, you know, you did some really amazing things like the Thor um, uh, concept what's the difference and you know do you like it obviously you're really enjoying yourself but like how how is it different and and you know what what do you like more or you know what you know what's what's more of a challenge this is definitely more of a challenge i mean working in the major leagues for you know an orioles a mets uh a brooklyn nets you have far more infrastructure in your company and you have media rights that uh make up you know, so much, so much of your profit. Um, so, uh, you know, here you're truly starting from scratch and you're starting in a non-major five league. Um, this has been, you know, certainly challenging, a good challenge, but like, you know, I say to people, there are days where like, you know, I'm just walking into our office, like, oh, thank God we have an office. Like, I remember the days we didn't have an office. We didn't have people you know, in an office and like making a copy of something or printing something out was challenging. Um, like that's what you deal with kind of in a startup. And I think it was, it was exciting to 
you know, help build this brand. Um, we are still in a work in progress. And I think what our brand is, uh, one thing that I really wanted to make very clear was that we were going to be very community driven. And in this town, like most towns, but it's certainly in this town, it matters, you know, because it is a small town, like giving back to the community uh, and being present and physically present, which takes time, uh, is something that's was really important, I think, that we established, um, that we were going to be a community partner. We were going to do what's right by the community. Um, this is not something, you know, like uh, our ownership group, they make money in a lot of different ways. Uh, the Las Vegas Desert Dogs, um, you know, is not going to be, it's not going to make them a small fortune. Uh, you know, this is something that, you know, the four owners are, are passionate about um, because it's about growing the game of lacrosse and doing right by the community. It almost feels like in many ways, what you're doing now is sort of the culmination of your career. I've said that to these guys about, ah. you know, starting Heartland Group, but you know, the way you talk about how uh, there were small tasks and building and there's a lot to be developed. I start to think about earlier in your career where you said yes to everything, you took yeah. on everything and that sort of prepares you for where you are now. Um, I'd love to hear what you'd say to, you know, somebody trying to break into our industry. Cause we always hear people say, say yes to everything, you know, get your hands dirty. I don't think a lot of people know you can go to the winter meeting. So I think that's yeah. an interesting thing that people don't know. Like I could go there. There is a job fair. I don't think people know that. Yeah. I mean, the baseball winter meetings just happened in San Diego last month and I'm pretty sure they still do it. Uh, even though major league baseball has kind of taken over minor league baseball. Um, you're absolutely right, Keith. Um, I don't think this is, I don't know that this is necessarily my last stop. Um, but uh, it, there are things that working in minor league baseball, and I think, you know, I see wearing the Cardinals hat, and I, I know that Elliot's a Mets fan. Um, you know, I think we, you, you've been to minor league ballparks, and you know kind of, the difference between a minor league game and a major league game and what exists. And there's, there is that sort of small town feel, you know, that comes with going to a minor league game that, that kind of feels really right. It makes you feel good. Um, there's the access to the players, obviously the movie, you know, Bull Durham. And uh, I, I was in the Carolina league, uh, which was where the uh, Durham Bulls were in until the movie came mm -hmm. out and they moved, they sold so many tickets, they moved to triple a, um, but um, yeah, I, I, minor league ball, you pull the tarp, right? Like you, uh, you get in the mascot suit. Um, you said you said yes to everything, and that's what I think for somebody who's breaking in. Uh, you don't have a whole lot of leverage, right? Like you're trying to learn, you're trying to get that education, um, and I think minor league ball is a wonderful place to start it. Um, because it gives you the, a place where you're going to make some mistakes, um, but you're going to have a lot of fun doing it. And you're going to, you're going to learn kind of the value of teamwork, um, because you take a lot of pride in what you do, uh, you know, in minor league baseball's case, 70 to 75 nights a year. And, uh, I have a great admiration for folks who work in the minor league game, um, because I know how many hours that is. It's it's a very, uh, it's a grind. A season, a regular season is a grind. 
in minor league ball. It's a grind in major league ball, but certainly in minor league ball when you're pulling the tarp at 7 a.m. so that the sun doesn't uh, tan the field too much, the, the infield. Um, I think saying yes to everything is, is uh, and be willing to be willing to just grow. I mean, when I went to the Frederick Keys out of the Orioles, I just wanted to do game notes. I just wanted to be the PR guy. You know, I got out of that rhythm. You know, once I got to, once I started working, you know, a little bit more and seeing, you know, how valuable generating revenue was, uh, not only in sports, but for anywhere. I mean, if you're, if you're a rainmaker, uh, you can go anywhere because we're always looking for people who can, who, who can make it rain. Um, so yeah, I think, and look, it, it's, it's a different breed. I'm, I'm a marketer. So Gen Z, uh, is, is what's coming out of you know, colleges and universities right now, and you have over 300 um, programs of sports management at, at various colleges, more than medical schools, I think, is something that I read. And there's not that many jobs. Um, but it has changed post-COVID. And I will tell you, like managing uh, a group of folks here who are definitely um, on the earlier sides of their career, um, having just come out of college or graduate school, it's a different breed of uh, candidates than um, when I came out. Uh, there, there are, um, you know, I, I, like I said, the, the Orioles, I, I didn't make a dime um, when I interned. That's not the case anywhere now. Uh, and I'm glad about that. Uh, you know, teams have to pay people minimum wage, and that's really how it should be. So, you know, the, the landscape is really evolving. And we as um, – Sports practitioners uh, have to evolve with that. Um, you know, we just kind of got back to, well, you know, uh, I walk through eight miles of snow so just to school, so you have to as well. And uh, I've tried to not take that approach. Um, you know, uh, certainly as uh, an old man statement would be, yeah, like, you know, they've got it good these days because back in, back in the day, you know, it, it wasn't like that. But I think that it's a good thing um, and managing more of a balance uh, in your life is uh, is a positive thing um, that I think COVID is that the, the pandemic, you know, caused us all to realize it was the first time in my working career that I was with my family, you know, uh, and um I had ne I still haven't been with my family, you know, as much as I was during that period of time in 2020. And it, it felt great. You know, it felt really nice to, to step away from games and step away from the ballpark or the arena and uh, have that time. So I think, you know, the pandemic is, has made us rethink, you know, as leaders as, as to how um, we, uh, what our workforce looks like. And look, we're in Las Vegas. So, you know, Formula One is coming here in November mm -hmm. here. And uh, pre-pandemic, before the Netflix series, you know, I don't know that that happens. Um, you know, the hotel rates, um, you know, are astronomical for that weekend uh, in, in November where, you know, the, the interesting thing about, you know, we, we work right uh, off the strip is that they don't uh, the, the, the uh, Clark County uh, that manages uh, parts of the strip, most of the strip 
doesn't hesitate to close streets here for for, for big events. Uh, not totally con- not concerned like you would be at other ticket uh, other cities about you know um, inconven- inconveniencing locals. <laughs> what this town thrives on is is tourism. So you know you speak to Formula One and what that's done uh, for that uh, league here for that property here in. Uh, North America, it's amazing. So yes, now you're going to see um, other sports, us included, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, in the near future, uh, get involved in that space because it, you know it, it, it shows it it shows who these folks are. Um, I think you're going to see you know some changes, some updates in how our our overall league structure um, you know is in the upcoming years as well, like. You know, we signed a deal, the league did, uh, with ESPN and with TSN last year uh, for a few years. That's gotten us some good visibility. Uh, again, our opening night game was on ESPN2. Um, a lot of the other linear games uh, have been on either ESPN News or ESPNU. Every game on ESPN+, Plus, which is great. Um, but we think that, you know, um, there might even be opportunity, you know, to go deeper in those relationships. So, uh, yeah, a series like you saw, and there's going to be a lot of copycats. There already have been a lot of copycats um, to what Formula One did during the pandemic. Um, this is this is great. I mean, honestly, uh, you've been so uh, you just know all these leagues and this whole industry so well, and it's really uh, it's it's great to hear all your knowledge, um, you know, about the past and and the present and future. So no, thank, thank you so you. much uh, for being on um, and would love to, you know, tell our fans uh, where they can find you or more importantly, um, you know, where the desert dogs, uh, where they could check it out and buy tickets. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah. Our website, uh, Las Vegas, desert dogs.com. Uh, you could also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm, uh, I still use a very old handle uh, even for Twitter as well. Uh, Mark fine PR uh is my old handle from way back in the day uh so uh would love to link in with folks um you know who want to talk sports business that's a wrap for this week thanks for listening to the we need to be doing that podcast visit we need to be doing that.com for more episodes and contact information 